1: Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host Jeremy McCarthy and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at jermccarthy74. On this week's show, I have a full roundup of the Cork LGFA Club Championships and a preview of this weekend's Moran abbey Aerog Senior County Final plus reaction from three County Finals from last weekend. AFLW expert Mike Coran analyzes every AFLW six-round result, every Irish player's performance and we preview round seven including the latest AFLW Irish Player of the Year standings. Monster Women's Hockey's Graeme Catchpole reviews the latest Munster women's hockey results previews this weekend's biggest games plus we have news of a Keane's Jewelers Under 18 Girls Hockey League sponsorship Formula One expert Sarah Mackenzie Foley analyzes the Qatar Grand Prix Cork's Red FM rugby expert Wendy Keenan reviews the latest women's AIL and Munster Open Cup results and previews a new season of Munster Girls Youth Rugby that's all to come on this week's jam-packed Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast Okay, ahead of this Saturday's Cork LGFA Senior County Final rematch between the reigning champions Abbey and last year's runners-up Airog at MTU Cork, I caught up with the Echoes chief sub-editor Rory Noonan to preview the biggest match on the Cork LGFA Club calendar season. We will also have live updates from that Senior County Final across the big red benches. Uh, social media accounts throughout Saturday afternoon promises to be an absolute cracker but I sat down with Rory to preview the big game and here's what he had to say. Now it's the biggest day of the year in the Cork LGFA football calendar. We had a triple header of county finals at MTU Cork last weekend but this weekend sees the big one the Senior A Championship final between reigning champions Mourn Abbey and last year's runners-up Air og meeting yet again in the Cork LGFA Senior Football Championship final. Only one man to talk to about that and that's the man who's written extensively about Cork LGFA and many other sports in the echo he's the chief sub-editor of echo and echolive.ie rory noonan rejoins us here on the bench rory how are you
2: i'm very good and thanks for having me Joe.
1: um i suppose we've talked an awful lot down through the years about mornaby and here <laughs> i don't know what else there's left to say but thankfully this year's county final is slightly different in that we've got two different managers on the sideline how much of an effect do you think these two guys have had this year and what are you expecting from both managers come saturday
3: well, I
2: suppose it's, it's it's a compliment to both of them that they've got the two teams to a county final having having already come in, in the last year or this, or this season, I should say, at the end of last season. You know, Joe Carroll coming in the back off a, a great win with the Cork minor team to take over Aero og And I think a lot of people would have been surprised to see the four... Former Cork senior football manager Rona McCarthy take over. More and I think that would probably be, be probably the, the slightly bigger surprise of the two of them taking over. So, in terms of both of them, they seem to have uh, settled well. And uh, and here we are with the two of them back in the final facing each other for the third year in a row. So, therefore, credit to the two of them. But I suppose it's also um, a big sign of the, of the players and the squads involved, involved with both with both clubs. You know, now, they know what it's about as well too, and the other people within the clubs that will be involved with both teams
1: and um, the thing is Rory as well for these two guys um, that have taken over on the sidelines you said they've kept things ticking over we've got probably i think you agree with me the two strongest panels in the senior championship right now senior a but neither of them had it easy in the semi-finals
2: no and, and i suppose that that's that, that, that's it was good to see that like you know both were well were well tested you know um had a, had a, maybe it had their had their shooting boots on might possibly have got the better of where rogue it's, it's hard to call like you know they didn't score I don't think in the second half of my memory is correct at this point. Mm. Um so, you know, they were they, they 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 ran them very, very close. And Val's put, really put it up to, to Mornabi. Uh, somewhere I was down there watching that day, you know, and, and like Mornabi had to dig deep and it was really the old heads, the Kiro Solomon's, uh Solomons, Mauro Callan and then Meaney that kind of dug them out and kind of settled them down late on in the game when Bells were threatening to, to get the better of them. Like So they were two good games and I suppose like all semifinals that's what you want. You want the test coming into a final and both certainly got it.
1: They certainly did and as you said it's important too for the Cork LGFA Senior Championship you know that there, it, it is a competitive championship. We've had the same final for three years in a row now. we've had the same winner for nine out of the last 10 years in a decade, but that's testament, Rory, as you've written extensively about, just this will to win and this, you know, no way are they giving up their title without a fight every year, Morne We look every year for chinks in the armour, we look at things like, you know, are they slowing down, are they getting older, do they have players coming through? And year after year, Morne Abbey seem to find a way.
2: Oh yes, I mean, you have to give them credit. Um, you know, no matter what happens uh, tomorrow or Saturday, you um, to get to 10 finals in a row in itself is a phenomenal achievement. You know, to win eight of the nine so far, I mean, you just can't fault that. Like, I mean, you know, it's credit to them all. It's a credit to the club and um, to the players, some of who have been around for nearly all of them um, and others who are starting to, to, to come through in the last year or two. Um, and I suppose part of that success has been built on that they've enjoyed some underage success in the last number of years as well. So they are bringing in a few players through. But uh, there, there are still a few of the of the of the, the slightly we call them older heads. The experienced heads we call them rather than older heads. The experienced heads are wrong to guide them, which is a good thing because you know they, they're not going to be around forever. But there does seem to be a pipeline from Bourne Abbey and who knows? Don't rule out being wrong again for another couple of years yet.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I've given up uh, I've given up questioning uh, is this team going to be around next year? They are. I think it's pretty obvious and the same. But let's talk just briefly about Airog because you talk about underage structures in Mornabi. Airog are very, very strong underage and always have been. And I think we're starting to see that now in that the, the usual suspects that you would imagine that are the match winners for Airog, the likes of Imer Scully, Laura Cleary, you know, the Cahillans, the, the, the There's there's names everywhere on each line. Uh, of that team they, they've they got quality they've got inter quality but they've also got young players coming through they will look like they're going to have the legs for Morne this year but will they have the tactics will they need to come up with something different because let's not forget last year they were quite close they finished three twelve to 13 points but it was Laura Fitzgerald's hat trick that beat them in the end um, do you think Airog have a realistic chance this year? Oh
2: absolutely absolutely um... You know, and I think Aero O are going into this match very, very much confident in their own ability. Um, you know, they've they, they known what they've faced over the last two two seasons. They will be hoping, I suppose, for the old, the old cliche of third-time lucky. Um, and I think, you know, that squad has been building and gaining a little bit of experience um, over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, maybe 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 the the input of Joe coming into it might just be that little bit of, of, of a difference that will get him over the line in the final.
1: Yes, and it promises to be an absolutely <coughs> cracking final in MTU Cork, a rerun for the third year running of the Cork LGFA senior A Football Championship County final, Morn Abbey taking on a rogue. Before I let you go, Rory, I'm gonna ask you for a prediction and I'll give you my prediction first, so I'm not really putting you too much on the on the on the chopping block. I think as good as Airog have been this year and as impressive as they've been, I just think the manner in which Mornabi have gone about their business without Shane Ranaen on the sideline, it, would have, it, you know, it might have been a pre-season excuse that maybe their performance, maybe their levels would dip. They have not under Ron McCarthy. And I think Mornabi are going to do it. But I think it's going to be very, very close and we may need extra time to decide it. Your own prediction.
2: Funny enough, I was just about to say the exact <laughs> thing, same thing as you said there. I would not be surprised if this game went extra time. In the least... I think that there's a strong possibility of that happening, but I think um, if that Mourne Abbey might just have that tiny little bit of experience and, and get over the line. But again, I do agree with you. I would not be surprised to see us standing there for an extra half an <laughs> hour or so. Uh, come come to, come Saturday afternoon, like you know, with this game.
1: Uh, Chief sub-editor of echo live.ie in the Echo newspaper you can read him uh, on all sport throughout the week Uh, Rory Noonan thank you very very much for your time here on the Big Red Bench and we look forward to talking to you again on the county final on Saturday
0: my pleasure, Joe. Thank you. The Big Red Bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm.
1: OK, now let's get some reaction to last weekend's Cork LGFA triple header of county finals which took place at MTU Cork. The Echo's Rory Noonan spoke to Glanmire's Connor Quinlan and Cork senior Abby O'Mahony following their intermediate county final success over Neva Bon. Glanmire ended a run of three consecutive IFC county final defeats to become champions and they will be a senior club in 2024. We'll also hear from the new junior A county champions O'Donovan-Rossa. The Skibbereen Club overcame fellow West Cork rivals Donnies to win the title. I got Cork senior Laura O'Mahony and O'Donovan-Rossa manager James O'Donovan's reaction. But first, I caught up with the newly crowned county senior B champions Castlehaven, their mentor John McGuckin and manager Dinny Cahillan following the West Cork club's narrow win over Fermoy, for whom manager Kieran Carroll also spoke to us here on the big red bench. I'm um, Kieran. Obviously, disappointment, but you've got to be proud of this Fermoy team's efforts, battling right up until the final minute. You could have forced the draw, just wasn't to be today.
4: No, it wasn't. Look, hats off to Castlehaven, great win, deserved win. We we can't complain with the result. Uh, it would have been nice to get the draw and maybe push it out. There. Extra time or whatever I don't know was it a replay or extra time probably extra time, but yeah look we're good but we had a great year we've a brilliant bunch there great great bunch of girls I couldn't be prouder of them got to a league semi final got to a senior B final two years in a row for my haven't done that in a long time uh, and they're young they're coming like we've minors we've 16s coming through so look it's a bad day today a tough day for us but we were here this time last year. Doing what Castlehaven are doing now and enjoying it. So we'll come again, they'll come again. They're a great group. But yeah, hats off to Castlehaven, great win.
1: And just funny, that is the core thing with this from my group like that. You're a solid senior football club. You're competing in every match that you're in as much as you possibly can, and you are established now and you'd hope to kick on from
4: that. Oh absolutely, yeah. I mean the underage structures are good, they're coming through, and we have we have players coming, we've new players coming, we've probably five changes from last year's county final team playing today. So very strong. We've lost players travelling, we'll have other players coming back from travelling this year. So yeah, it's all to but we're strong We're established there As a decent, decent senior team And look That's all we can do Is hope to improve every day And that's what we try to do And that's what we try on the girls Is to improve Go out and improve every day If you can be better today Than you were yesterday You're going the right direction Excellent stuff Congratulations again Thanks John
1: Alright John Hearty congratulations To Castle Leaven, But boy did you, Were you holding on there At the end But look uh, A county senior B title In your first year up at senior Is a fantastic achievement
5: Yeah uh, Joe we're absolutely delighted um, I think it's probably at the start of the year we set our aspirations maybe a bit too high. Um, we'd been used to kind of cruising through and winning games and we get a big eye-opener even in Division 1 um, against those senior teams, senior championship, really gave us an eye-opener. So, you know, we, we had two or three tough weeks there and the heads were down and we said we give this competition the respect it deserves and we threw absolutely everything into it. We didn't prepare any different to this than we have for the junior A, the, the intermediate. Everything was thrown into this and I think that told today in the pitch. Yeah, you needed that experience because they really came back into their duties. You know, the girls are they're used to those close games, especially here. Um, I think we're just delighted not that it's not going to extra time and kicks. Uh, <laughs> kicks uh, nobody yeah. gonna handle that anymore. Sorry, the media, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, look, the, the experience told. Um, but even you, know, we had the young girls coming in there, young girls starting that, that hadn't previously started, young girls coming on as yeah. subs, and they added a different element to it. But you need that experience. You know, you, no matter no matter what, you can't put a price in that experience. Um, finally what will this do because there's a Munster Championship now as well but what will this do in
1: terms of setting you up for the next couple of years because your younger players really stood up today
5: oh, ab- absolutely and I mean you know uh, I know Denny mentioned it and you mentioned it uh, when you were chatting to him last about the Mainers mm. uh, we we're under no illusions we would have said it to the girls how much that minor win did for us because we kind of forgot what that winning feeling was like yeah. and that, that win kind of spurred everybody on um, for them to see this and, and for a lot of them to be involved in this um, knowing you're getting into Munster we can test ourselves again and we can hopefully give a good account of ourselves it's invaluable absolutely invaluable congratulations go enjoy Thanks it very much Ger appreciate it cheers buddy
1: Alan, congratulations first year up senior county senior B title how important is not the manner of the victory but the fact that this is something to build on now again now that you're up in the top tier yeah look
6: no I suppose as I said to you last week, we got a few bad beatings there in, in in the championship through the year with very good teams. So look, this is this is very important to these girls to get a trophy at the end of the year. Uh, first year up senior, as you said, uh, to win the senior be a great achievement for them, and hopefully you now we will drive it on next year again. You know, they're a young team and looked as I
7: said hopefully I'm caught for words no,
6: you're
1: okay. Yeah, for my really came back at you in this but I think your young players stood up today your experienced players did but, they always said, but you must be really proud to hold the young players um, defended and stuck in there and got that win yeah the, the young players are outstanding today I mean
6: like the, the defence the whole defence even the girls coming back the, the, for I couldn't break them down No, they got points fair enough we are giving away but we kept the goals out and that was our main thing after playing them in the championship they got three goals against us we kept the goals out today and in the other Side we had the girls up front who got the goals in, in at and part in stages like we were down five points there one stage in the first
1: mm-hmm. half and to go in at halftime time level look to great you know brilliant brilliant for the girls excellent stuff congratulations all the best monster thanks sure thanks. thanks okay James congratulations how much did the hurt of losing this final last year drive O'Donovan Russell this year and to a convincing junior a county final victory over Donnie's
8: I'd say I'd say it was a big factor all right short you, you know um, losing a county final there's an awful lot of hurt in it and I suppose the girls wanted to prove that they were
1: at this level and uh, I think they give out and give a great account of themselves today yeah you got off to a fantastic start you got those three first half goals with your defensive effort today the turnovers the blocks that's the bedrock you built your win on.
8: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's been the same all year. Like, it's our defence. Like, we've got good forwards, we spoke before about that, but it's our defence give gives us the platform to perform. And every day they turn up
1: and every day they're, they're, they're magnificent for us. So, you know, delighted with them. Another factor is there's no one out no star in this team. I know you've a cork senior, a couple of underage minors, whatever, but the team effort really got you over the line. Yeah, it's a
8: team effort, without a doubt. You know, we have some really quality players, but you're not depending on them any given day because on any given day,
1: any, any girl can step up and, and, and be the star. So, look, we're just delighted. It's delighted to get over the line, to be honest, you know. And finally, I know it's just after the final whistle, but you have a Munster Championship. Look forward to an intermediate next year. Yeah. How about that?
8: Uh? Well, that's, we're, we, we can't do anything What We're in the intermediate <laughs> now for next year. But uh, to be honest, we hadn't even thought about the Munster Championship until you said it here now. I, I don't even know when it's on. So look, we'll, we'll take we'll take when it comes. Um,
1: yeah, thanks. Congratulations. Well done, buddy. Thank you, very much, sir. Thank you very much, Um Laura Manny, congratulations. I just said to your manager, the hurt of last year losing the, this final this year, O'Donovan Ross were a different team. It took a real team effort all year, but here you are, County Junior A champions.
9: Yeah, I think the fact that we're back on the same pitch in MTU last year hurt so much. Even like you can remember how we lost last year, and just to rewrite the wrongs from last year, and I think everyone can say that they contributed to our win today. You know, even Fanula O'Driscoll or Forward, how many scores has she got all season? The poor thing had to go off at half time with a hamstring, so I think we wanted to do it for her, and I think the passing of Tony Salter from Skibbereen as well. I think that really wanted it for everyone as well he was a great club supporter and we really wanted it to do for him
1: that's a lovely thing to say and a lovely third person to remember but from your point of view from Skip's point of view I've just pointed out your manager you're now into a Munster Championship which you hadn't thought about an intermediate grade next year but this is what you want from this club you want to keep moving forward
9: Exactly since the club started and since we started an adult team we've always wanted even Junior A was our, our goal even thinking about intermediate next year honestly we're just so happy to have got there um, yeah we're delighted honestly
1: You're calling her name go get that cup well Thanks done
10: Thanks very much Ger. Connor four finals in a row you finally got there Unbelievable fashion at the end. Huge, huge win for Glamour today.
1: Yeah, it's so
7: important. Like The numbers that Glamour have through, through the whole of Glamour, there's just so many numbers. They need to be senior. Sar's so are senior at the moment and they're just kind of looking up at them at the moment. You know, this is our first year in Vileman. Fortunately, we got a bit of luck our way. It looked to be run away from us at a couple of stages during the game, but the girls battled hard. And I think even last year's memory would drive them on as well, you know? important
10: Look, looking at the match there as you said it looked like it was slipping you got those two late points not easy scores when that yeah. pressure is on you in yeah. fairness where she stuck the two over to barrier and Crowley
7: yeah she did I is mean, there's a classy footballer and she was away for a bit of this the year as well which young girls do and you can't blame them and stuff like that but I just thought with the start of the second half, we had a bit of momentum. There was a slight little breeze there and we pressed the kickouts hard, put the girl under pressure as well, and then just kind of got a yellow card and they got the goal. Great goal in fairness to Lydia. Um, thanks, again. Thanks, the men. So, but I just, I always kind of felt we were still in it, no matter what. You saw it with Sars there last week in yeah. the men's like four points down injury time and just coming back. I just thought I was we, we had a great squad. We, that's, that's, that, that can't be underestimated. I knew our bench was very strong.
10: Well, well you, you know? mentioned obviously... Go, getting those scores were crucial. Your keeper made two vital saves as well to keep you in the yeah, match at a time yeah. as you said when you were down to 14. Well, well, big, uh, big saves. We,
7: we know like like at that stage we have to kind of press as well. So you're kind of cheat you're trying to t- you're taking off something else to make something else. So and they do we know Never Barn kind of come out around the D and they try to leave space and behind, and that's exactly what happened. And when you're changing in personnel, the game kind of takes on life of its own, really, like yeah. the, the kind of tactics and stuff, but I just thought we had a good bit done. They would have taking a good team to beat us. To be honest, you know.
10: And I said, obviously Glamour deserved to go up really because I said, like after three years yeah. of heartbreak, yeah. to finally cross that line is huge for the club to be a senior club. no
7: you know I, I mean going back to the likes of Mornabi, It took them a few years to kind of gather pace as well. And when you win one, you're just on the right trajectory. Then again, you know, and it's it's important for the likes of Glenmore, the club like that. I've enjoyed it this year. It was my first year, as I said. And I know the lads well. Just big thanks to the backroom team and Michael O'Sullivan, Vincey Barry, managers Damien. James e. O'Shea and um, Billy O'Connor, Billy's away, he will be killed for that. And they just all oh, the players like you you can't talk enough. It's all about the players. And and to no be honest. Doubt there'll be a few celebrations down in Glamour oh, tonight. <laughs> It'll be going on for a couple of days, I'd say, yeah. Abby, four finals in a row,
10: you're finally across the line. Someday for Glamour today. Oh my god, I don't even know where to start.
11: Like the girls put in some graft and like it was I don't know, it wasn't looking uh, good, but like it, no one gave up, like they everyone just gave but they're all like we, we, there, there was just no way we, we could
10: lose a fourth time. but that must have been on your mind's coming to match. I say was it was it a motivating factor like you know to, when you came out here today saying yes, you do know, know we cannot lose this simple as yes, like, it. It. like we, uh,
11: there were a couple of people that were saying like we deserve this but like you don't you deserve nothing, like it's, it's what you do on the day, like um, and they've gone, we knew are going to be the toughest competitors (laughs) um, in the championship for us so far, sorry, (laughs) and um, I I don't know, we we just knew not to take it for granted basically, like we've learned better now over the last few years, Um, and I think this year there was just a bit more in us, I think we we were able to hold our ground a bit more, Uh, a lot more physical people were just willing to like die on that ball, Um, and as I was saying, I don't know. Uh, maybe consistency is definitely a thing we can work on, along with with some other things. But we'll, we'll go from here now, and we're delighted Obviously, to
10: win two late points and Miss Crowley oh were biting God. scores but really I suppose <laughs> when you look back in the match Ava carries two saves were big big saves as well oh, to got you over the line
11: huge like it really like we knew that all along it was like the sub end we, we knew that we had the strength and depth and like we, uh, we really took advantage of that I think and we really played well um, Ava like has always been outstanding and like uh, a goalie, so well able to hold her ground. Um, Rina, like, it was just fantastic, like she was able to compose herself and pop it over she's seen as he just came right into the game, so.
10: I know don't you enjoy the celebration of this one for a oh, while. Oh, yeah. gosh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm.
1: AFLW Ireland's Mike Curran joined me on this week's Corks Red FM's Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast to provide his analysis, comment and expert coaching opinion on every single one of this past weekend's AFLW Round 6 games. Mike also gave the lowdown on each Irish player's performance following the latest weekend's action. We also preview the upcoming Round 7 matches as well as analysing the latest AFLW Irish Player of the Week and Year standings. Okay, it's that time of the week again it's our uh, Cork Red FM, Big Red Bench, AFLW Roundup and only one man to talk to when it comes to AFLW and all the Irish players, all 33 of them uh, listed for this coming season, that is AFLW Ireland, coach to the stars and AFLW expert, Mike Curran Mike, how are you?
8: Very good Jared. good to be back again
1: yes we're back uh, on to round 6 where did 6 rounds go but we're on to round 6 to review look ahead to round 7 look at the standings and of course finish up as always with the AFLW Ireland Irish Player of the Week and Year standings which a lot of people are very very interested in so let's crack on and start our AFLW round 6 Roundup from Friday October the 6th with a big win for the Carlton Blues 53-34 over the Western Bulldogs in Melbourne Carlton have two Irish players on their squad this, uh, this year Rowan Fitzpatrick and Daniel Finn but the Blues continue their push towards a possible finals appearance Mike and 19 point victory over the Bulldogs
8: It was and look at this is the second loss in a row for Western Bulldogs at their home at Whitten Oval which has been redeveloped as we mentioned last week the bigger picture that's six losses for the season now and they're the only team now without a win after six rounds complete so it, they definitely seem to be a club in some trouble there we've even heard their head coach calling out some of the players for lack of professionalism lack of fitness You know, some people some people would say that the book has to stop with the head coach on that one, but it's another book, Matthew Book, who's the new head coach at Carlton, who definitely seems to be making better progress. Um, Significant changes at Carlton across the entire club in the preseason. A great win for them over Western Bulldogs. Or, and maybe that's what's needed at the Bulldogs, is some changes. But look, at, it was a great start to the game that saw Carlton dominate from the start. They kicked three goals in that first quarter. It's the first time they've kicked three goals in the first quarter at all this year. So a brilliant start for them. And from then on, they went on to dominate the possession. All the main possession starts across the game. So that's four wins now for Carlton and sitting nicely at the the right side of the ladder. In terms of the Irish players on the night, Erin Fitzpatrick was very good for Carlton, actually probably one of her better games of the season so far. She kicked a brilliant goal, and she had 12 disposals of five tackles, and Dana Finn, who impressed in her debut last week, was straight back in again as a key defender this week for Carlton.
1: Yes, uh, as you said, Carlton, on a roll there, disappointment for the Bulldogs, but lots to look forward to from both those franchises as time goes on. We move to Saturday, October the 7th, and the Greater Western Sydney Giants secure their first win of the season with a comfortable 44-24 win over the West Coast Eagles in Sydney. West Coast Eagles, Irish players, Ashling McCarthy.
8: A fantastic win for the for the Geodobus Giants. You know, We mentioned it last week in our preview that this was probably uh, a game where they saw an opportunity to get that uh First win after a frustrating start to the season so far. And despite going behind to a great start to the Eagles, the Giants got themselves back into this one. They were on level terms at halftime. A big third quarter where they scored three goals and two behinds to no score for the Eagles. Put them in a position to secure that first win by 20 points in the end. The star of the show on this one was an 18-year-old Zarley Gouldsworthy, who kicked three goals for the Giants. So we mentioned last week that they're a team rebuilding. A lot of young stars. Zarley is one of those stars. Uh, brilliant from her. Um, the only Irish player on show in this one was Ashley McCarthy for the Eagles, but she couldn't do anything to help the Eagles this time, despite another great performance for herself. So GWS Giants, a fantastic first win of the season up in Blacktown. Uh, so delight for them, and hopefully they can build some momentum from that.
1: Yes, indeed. Hopefully not. No Irish players there, obviously, but uh, plenty of Irish heritage there in that particular franchise. What well, with Corey and Breed Stack in the past. We move to the biggest game of the weekend, and that is between Adelaide Crows and the Melbourne Demons this weekend because it's one of the Indigenous rounds. They're listed as Narum. Now, if I'm mispronouncing that, that's my fault because I'm Irish and I, I can't say it. But in Melbourne this past weekend, the Demons who've got three Irish players on their squad: Sinead Goldrick, Brian Mackin, and Amy Mackin, and the Adelaide Crows who've got Nave Kelly and Yvonne Bonner on theirs. It turned into a ten-point win for the Adelaide Crows. And the first time that the reigning premiers have tasted defeat Mike
8: it was and look at this was the most eagerly anticipated game of the round and it turned out to be an absolute classic as you mentioned the only 200 feet of sides coming into round 6 uh, up to this point Melbourne looked to be an unbeatable uh, side on a 14 game one streak that lasted 415 days but Adelaide definitely did their homework on this one um, and it turned out to be a classic you know Melbourne opened the better they went 2 goals 4 behinds to no score in that first quarter that was Adelaide's first scoreless quarter of the season. So you're thinking here that, that Melbourne are going to romp home from here. But then Adelaide bounced back on the exact same score, 2-4 to no score in the second quarter. So we were all tied up a level at halftime. Uh, but a three-goal third quarter for Adelaide and the ability to withstand a final quarter charge for the Demons saw them home to stand alone at the top with six wins. Uh, that included five consecutive goals at one uh, period of the game there. So, uh, really impressive. Um, incredibly, the Demons for, forward, Eden Zanker, scored five goals despite being on, on the lo- losing side. But it was the Crows' key midfielders, you know, um, Anne Hatchard and Ebony Marinoff, who excels. And an interesting implication of this result potentially, obviously, it means Adelaide are the only unbeaten team now. But as we push, towards the second half of the season, this might have an effect on the location of the 2023 Grand Finals. So there was more than just a result on stake. Obviously, this year, the highest finishing team that qualifies to the finals will host the Grand Final, and you would not bet against the Crows being involved in the big one this year after that win at the weekend. From the Irish point of view, we had Neve Kelly and Yvonne Bonner featuring for the Crows, but the best of the Irish in this Brilliant game with Sinead Goldrick from Melbourne Demons. Absolutely outstanding from start to finish. We got up to watch this one early and it was well worth it for her performance alone. 13 disposes, 7 tackles, absolutely brilliant. And we also saw Blaine Mackin and Amy Macken, who, whose time on the ground was somewhat curtailed by having some ankle treatment. But uh, 5 Irish players involved and a brilliant game.
1: Yeah, probably the biggest and best and uh, certainly the most entertaining game of the season so far. A big win for the Crows, you said. Well, it could have implications when it comes to the knockout stages later on, the preliminary and the finals itself. Big, big win there. We move on now to St. Kilda and Hawthorne. St. Kilda have got Grace Kelly, the Irish pair on their books, while Hawthorne's representatives are Alien Gilroy and uh, Anya McDonough. But it was St. Kilda who won 45-36 in this one, Mike.
8: Yeah, and momentum is a wonderful thing. You know, St Kilda have now gone and won three games in a row after losing their first three games of the season. Uh, this was definitely a close one. Three goals in both the first and second quarter. saw St Kilda with a perfect six goals, and uh, no behind score at halftime and in a great position. And despite the arrival of a much-anticipated fight back from the Hawks, particularly in the fourth quarter, the Saints held out to win by nine. Uh, that fight back by the Hawks, incidentally, was spearheaded by none other than Irish player Anya McDonough with two goals, Uh, she was the best of the Irish on show in this one and again she has further extended this incredible goal scoring streak now to six games in a row she has scored in every round of the season so far from round one to six never been done before by an Irish player fantastic to see that and Owing is in great form also Aileen Gilroy impressed for Hawthorne she got on the scoreboard as well and as did uh, Grace Kelly impressed for St Kilda but yeah, this was a big win for St. Kilda and that gives them three, three wins in a row now. I think it's the first time in their history that they've won three games on the bounce. Um, so things are definitely looking up for them.
1: Certainly yeah. are. Excellent stuff. We move on now to the next one. And this is uh, the game taking place in Alberton, Oven and Adelaide between the Port Adelaide and Sydney Swans. Port Adelaide adopting their Indigenous name for this round because it's one of the Indigenous rounds. I'm going to try and pronounce it Pulti. Uh, apologies if I got that wrong. Sydney Swans have four Irish players in their books this year. Jennifer Higgins, Paris McCarthy, Julia Sullivan, Tanya Kennedy. A very, very entertaining contest by all accounts um, and a big win for the Swans, Mike.
8: Very big win uh, for the Swans in Adelaide. So on the road, and I suppose in the context of the season, um, it keeps the finals push alive for them. This one went down to the wire. The Swans were leading by just two points at three-quarter time. Uh, this was somewhat due to Port Adelaide's lack of accuracy up front. Now They had scored three goals and 11 behinds at three-quarters time. So they rue that lack of accuracy in front of goals. But that definitely doesn't take away from a great win for the Swans. Remember, if we throw back to last season, it was the Swans' first inaugural season. They lost by sixty-six points to Port Adelaide in this corresponding fixture. So, if that gives you some context in terms of how much the Swans have improved across the the period of twelve months, uh, that is definitely a marker for that. And they have improved, and they have impressed, and they now have three wins from six games. Um, and their season is definitely heading in the right direction as well. In terms of the Irish players, I mentioned uh, only Tanya Kennedy was involved in this one, Um, playing very well, as we mentioned, her week in, week out for the Swans. Um, She had 11 disposals, 3 marks, 3 tackles, but all in all, yes, a brilliant win for Sydney Swans.
1: Yeah, good to see Sydney up and running there, as you said, in an important win. We finish off the Saturday slate of games, however, with a big upset as the Collingwood Magpies defeated the Brisbane Lions by five points, 33-28 at the Brighton Homes Arena. Brisbane Lions, two Irish players this year, of course, Orla Dwyer and Jennifer Dunn, while the Collingwood Pies also have two Irish players, Sarah O and Asling Sheridan. But this was a headline grabber, Mike.
8: Uh, it definitely was a headline grammar. You know, Collingwood have been, been involved in quite a few upsets now at this stage, normally on the wrong side of the result. But this was definitely an upset that they came out on the right side, beating the fancied lines at home, Brighton's home arena. Obviously, this now is becoming a venue, brand new, amazing facility that's proving very difficult for the Lions to win at. So they'll want to correct that as soon as possible. Brisbane led all the way through um, the first three quarters, including being six, 16 points up at halftime. Uh, but it was two goals in the last quarter that proved the clincher for the Magpies. Um, remember last week in the AFL men's Grand Final, Collingwood beat Brisbane in a classic match, and now the women have done the same here. Uh, for Collingwood, the Irish players uh, Sarah Rowe absolutely brilliant again. Like she is having storming season, was amongst the best on ground for Collingwood. Twenty disposals, six tackles. Her work rate when she doesn't have the ball, which isn't too often, is phenomenal. Uh, she has received coaches' votes now for five consecutive rounds. So, th- so, this is an award that's nominated by the coaches for the AFLW Champion Player of the Year. Sarah Rowe has won uh, or has received votes five rounds in a row from rounds two to six. Again, this has absolutely never been done before by an Irish player. Um, so, she went off playing soccer in the offseason and is showing absolutely no ill effects from that. In fact, probably the opposite. And this game also featured Ashling Sheridan for Magpies and Orlo O'Dwyer, who scored another uh, brilliant goal as well for Brisbane Lions despite the the Lions going down. But yeah, this was definitely a, a big win for Collingwood and we saw them celebrating it um, in the dressing room afterwards with the, with the whole club involved in that one.
1: Yeah, excellent stuff for the boys. Big upset win and fantastic, as we said. Sarah Rose's name keeps cropping up week after week here on the big red bench with Mike Craner, or AFLW uh, roundups and rightly so. We move on finally to the three final games of the weekend which took place on Sunday and Essendon, uh, who took on the Geelong Cats and Essendon overcame a scoreless first quarter um, before a sensational comeback to edge the Cats' 29-19 a 10-point win. The Cats only three Irish players on their roster this year. Rachel Kearns, Ashling Maloney and Anna Rose Kennedy while the Bombers... Uh, don't have any errors Oh, they have. They've joined. They apologies, Joanne Dunan. They have Joanne Dunan on their on their roster as well. But a ten point win for Essendon, but they did not make it easy for themselves, Mike.
8: They didn't. You know, You there was a hint of an upset about this one, I suppose, as well. In essence, and as you mentioned, you wouldn't have foreseen them winning the game after the first quarter when they went behind two goals, two behinds to zero. But they did fight back to have the game level at three-quarter time. And then they scored two goals in the fourth quarter that, that saw them come back from behind for a famous win. Um, it was up in Warrnambool, which is up in country Victoria. Mad footy country up there. So a great atmosphere, a great occasion. This one, it was also the battle of the Perspakis sisters. We had two of the best midfielders in the game Maddie Perspakis playing for Essendon and her sister Georgie playing for Geelong. Uh, Incidentally, it was Maddie's 50th game as well, a bit of a milestone occasion there for the family. Uh, But it was uh, Maddie who came out on top for Essendon here. Um, On the Geelong side, we had Ashley Minoni and Rachel Cairns, both featuring from an Irish point of view. But again, Essendon continued to impress uh, and Remember, they were just an expansion team from last season and they definitely look to be uh, the best performing of the expansion teams and I don't think anybody fancies playing Essendon at this stage.
1: No, they do not. And with good reason, um, excellent stuff there. We move on now to one of the tightest games, not just of the round but of the actual whole season at Icon Park in Melbourne on Sunday evening, where the Gold Coast Suns edged the Richmond Tigers by one point, 36-35. The Gold Coast Suns, Irish trio for the coming season are Clara Fitzpatrick, Neil McLaughlin and Cara McCrossan. But this one was a siren beater, Mike, and a cracking game.
8: What a game, really. You know, won by the Suns in the most dramatic faction, as you said, a kick after the final siren, this is fairy tale stuff in AFL. It was Tara Bahana that had that kick. The scores were tied, so it was a case of any score will do. But that's still a lot of pressure. Uh, she did get it behind a, a point to win by one. To huge celebrations for the Suns. Um, you know, it was a fantastic game. There was more than a bit of bite in this one as well. There was a number of players on both sides. Playing against their former teams, I think we had three sons who formerly were tigers, and we had tigers who were formerly sons. So there was definitely a, a bit of bite to this one. But now that's four wins for the sons in a very impressive season for them so far. They'll be absolutely delighted where they are, uh, due in no small part to their three Irish players. Cariffus Patrick was the best of the Irish on show in this one for the sons um, uh, from uh, the defense from the half line of backs twelve disposes six tackles we also saw Neve McLaughlin score another goal she got her first goal last week she's got her second one this week She is now switched from the half back line to the half forward line as Suns figure out the best position for her and to, to utilize our speed so she's back on the scoreboard and Karen McCrossan, the third Irish Sun also featured but yeah absolute thriller of a game one point win for the Suns and um, they're definitely having a storming season
1: Yes, indeed. Cracking game. Siren beater um, on Sunday night. Terrific, terrific performance for the Suns, you said, 36-35 over the Richmond Tigers. Our final game of the Round 6 slate took place on Sunday at the Fremantle Oval in Perth, where the North Melbourne Kangaroos, who've got Irish players Ailish Considine, Eric O'Shea and Neave Martin on their books, put a 45-point hammering on Fremantle, who have uh, the dockers of four Irish players, Ani Taig, Orla Lally, Amy Holland, and John Craig. Fremantle were known as Wallyallup, and I've probably messed up that as well for the Indigenous round. But North Melbourne reasserting themselves as serious contenders Mike in this one
8: definitely they did a massive win away from home as well remember up in Fremantle for the Kangaroos it was a storming finish that saw them score the last seven goals of the game and that really stretched out the margin in the end uh, Tal- Talia Randall their star forward kicked five goals for North Melbourne in a standout performance but again that was mainly due to the brilliance of their midfielder and the ball coming in from them Jasmine Garner and Ash Riddell, we talk about them every week they're the most dynamic duo in the competition, dominated throughout, and North had 48 against 18 inside 50, so that meant that Fremantle were always going to struggle to to get on top in this one, and North definitely did have the upper hand, a big win for them. From an Irish point of view, Eric O'Shea was brilliant, she probably had her best game of the season as well, uh, with 14 disposals, 4 tackles, and on the Docker side, the Irish were to the fore as always, Ointay type with another goal for Fremantle. And we also saw Orla Lally score a cracker as well. And the game also featured Joanne Craig and Amy Mulholland. But yes, um, another brilliant win for North Melbourne.
1: Indeed it was and uh, they are going really really well the Kangaroos and that that finishes a round up of round six with Mike Coran here on Corkshire FM's big red bench right, we're going to take a quick check now on the AFLW ladder after six rounds and at the top on 24 points out in the round, the Adelaide Crows that big big win over Melbourne as well possibly giving them the, the, the edge when it comes to uh, home advantage come finals time uh, two teams uh, right behind them the North Melbourne Kangaroos that we just mentioned and Melbourne on 20 points apiece then a clutch of clubs on 16 Brisbane, Gold Coast, Carlton and Essendon and rounding out the top eight the Geelong Cats have moved in there on 12 points with a better percentage than the other teams on 12 which includes Richmond, St Kilda the Pies, the Swans and uh, as we said uh, earlier on Fremantle. Um, Then there's a big gap to the teams near the bottom and unfortunately a lot of those teams uh, are struggling for form and they are on four points uh, each and there's a clutch of them there as we said uh, in the bottom of those four uh, and they include uh, the Hawks, the Giants the Eagles and the Bulldogs. Right, we switch our attention now to round seven, Mike, and I am just going to run down through the f- roster of games, and then Mike's going to give us his picks for the ones to watch out over the coming weekend. On Friday, October the 13th, the runaway leaders of the Premier this year, the Adelaide Crows, take on the Western Bulldogs. On Saturday, the first of the games is 10th place St. Kilda, taking on the GWS Giants, coming off a big win there in 16th place. Then, uh, that's followed by Geelong and uh, the team known as Walyal. Well, yell yell up, and I'm going to get killed over that. Eight versus thirteen there in Geelong. The Sydney Swans taking on the Hawks, and uh, the Gold Coast Suns taking on the Brisbane Lions. Who'll be anxious to bounce back? Richmond and Essendon round off uh, the Saturday night games. Cracking game in, uh, there in Melbourne as well between the ninth and the sixth ranked teams on Sunday. Um, it is the uh, Yarta Pa-lu- Paulti who will travel to the North Melbourne, or will take on the North Melbourne Kangaroos. Carlton take on Collingwood, six versus eleven there, and then the West Coast Eagles. Uh, taken on the Melbourne Demons to round off the Sunday slate of those list of games Mike who, uh, what are the games that we should be looking out for and the ones that will probably bring us the most entertainment
8: yeah I think another entertaining fixture coming up for round 7 you know in a 10 game season there's literally something riding on every one of these pictures now I suppose that's what happens with such a condensed season as, as you said at the start it's hard to believe we're 6 rounds on into round 7 opening on Friday night Adelaide versus the Western Bulldogs I'm already feeling bad for Western Bulldogs here it's up in Norwood, in Adelaide. I think Adelaide are going to romp home here. If you switch over to Saturday, then a few of the games here again, St Kilda will be going for four wins in a row against GWS Giants, who've come off their first win. So they might fancy a second win as well. They might see this as a game that they might achieve that. So that should be competitive. Uh, then you have Geelong and Fremont, and I suppose, who will both want to bounce back from losses in this round and, and potentially up to seven Irish players involved in that one. So that one will be fantastic. Sydney Swans versus Hawthorne, two expansion teams from last year up in Henson Park in in Sydney. Sydney Swans are on a roll. Uh, Hawthorne are probably not doing as well as they'd like, despite being very competitive. The results just aren't going their way. Uh, Sydney will probably target this as a win at home, where Hawthorne would love to pick up a win on the road here. And then you've got Gold Coast Suns, who are in tremendous form against Brisbane Lions. This is the Q clash. It's the Queensland Derby, so there'll be a lot of interest in this one. The Lions will definitely want a response to to that shock loss uh, at the weekend. Richmond and Essendon, we just mentioned Essendon. No one's going to want to play Essendon or no one's going to fancy playing Essendon. They're on a roll as well. There won't be anything in that one. Uh, So, yeah. And then if you jump to Sunday, pick out one of the games, probably Carlton and Collingwood, both teams with momentum as well. Um, Melbourne against Eagles, you'll feel that Melbourne will probably um, romp away to a win there as well. But as I said, there's not many games you can look at that, that there isn't something significant and there isn't big Irish interest in. So from here on in, they're all important.
1: They are indeed as we head to the business, business end of of the season. We round up our AFLW review for this week with a look at the AFLW Ireland Irish Player of the Week and Player of the Year standings. Some familiar names there, Mike, but some changes as well in the overall standings.
8: There are some, just for the round, just finished. um, Our... Irish player of the year for round six is Sinead Goldrick. Absolutely fantastic this uh, weekend and every weekend from Melbourne. In, in fairness, you know, she plays a role off, off half back. Uh Sometimes the work she does isn't, uh, I suppose, visible in the stats, uh, but she was absolutely fantastic. You know, um, repelled attack after attack and just her tackling. She's a ferocious competitor, as we know. So Sinead Goldrick, Irish player of the year. Followed closely by uh, Sarah Rowe this year, absolutely having a stormer of a season. In third, we have Anya McDonough, who almost single-handedly pulled Hawthorne back into to their game, and Anya Tai and Ashley McCarthy, two familiar names. But uh, we have two new players in the in the top seven for the first time this round. Cara Fitzpatrick from Gold Coast Suns is in six, and Eric O'Shea is in seven. So brilliant to see a few names, a few new names, featuring there. But in the overall Irish Player of the Year. It is all the familiar names and it's Sarah Roanau who's um, opening a bit of a gap at the top, 485 points in number one spot, followed by Ash Mac on 450 points, Neve Kelly for 30 points, Orlo Dwyer for 115 points, Anya Tai four hundred and five points, all ridiculously close there at the top of the table. And then in sixth, we have Anya McDonough on 305 points, Blahian Macken on 280 points. But absolutely consistent performances by the best of the best of the Irish players there week in and week out. But... Always good to see some of the some new players popping up in the, the weekly rounds um, from week to week, but it's definitely looking uh, like Sarah Rowe, as we've passed the halfway stage is a bit of a favourite at this stage but anything can happen week to week as we well know at this stage
1: <laughs> Oh God can it uh, brilliant as you said to see so many names and some new names in the weekly roundup of the AFLW Irish Player to Year standings and then certainly Sarah Rowe is the player to catch and if she maintains her current consistency it's going to be very difficult to knock her off that number one perch that is the roundup for AFLW round 6 a look ahead to round 7 the latest ladder and all the AFLW Irish standings in the interim before we speak again next week Mike Coran of AFLW Ireland where can we find your online content?
8: As always, you're at AFLW underscore Ireland on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, The Works, but primarily Instagram for all the news, uh, team lists, all of the updates heading into and and during the rounds. So at AFLW underscore Ireland.
1: Excellent stuff. Mike Coran, brilliant to talk to you as ever. We look forward to speaking again on Corkshire FM's Big Red Bench next week.
0: Many thanks, sir. Speak to you then. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench Podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM.
1: Munster Women's Hockey PRO Graham Catchball is back on the Big Red Bench to review the latest rounds of the 2023-24 Munster women's hockey season. Graham provides results and scores from all the recent women's EY One and Women's Munster Division One games involving Munster teams. Graham and I also look ahead to this weekend's matches, and there's a review of the Munster under sixteen and under eighteen girls into pro games with Leinster recently. And there's also Good news with Keens Jewelers sponsoring this season's Munster Under eighteen Girls Hockey competitions. Okay, so it's that time of the week again here on Corkshire FM's Big Red Bench, where we talk all things Women's Munster Hockey. Delighted to be joined as ever by the Munster Women's Hockey PRO Graham Catchpole to go through all the latest news, scores, and updates. Graham, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are you?
6: Thanks for having me again, Ger.
1: Good to talk to you. We start first of all with interprovincials and the under 16s and the Munster under 16 and under 18 teams uh, took on Leinster last weekend. Now they lost, but there were some good performances uh, which bodes well for the future.
6: Yeah, absolutely. So the, the under sixteens and under eighteens, as you said, took on Leinster at the weekend in uh the Meardike Arena in in, in UCC. Um the under sixteens unfortunately lost three one to, to Leinster, uh Emma Grace with with Monster's goal there. Um, and the under eighteens lost four one Rachel Summers with the goal there. Um, all of this is obviously with um with, I suppose uh, Irish trials in mind and um actually last week Jared, there, there was a, a trials were announced for for four of the under 16 girls and uh four of the under 18 girls so so good to see them uh, i suppose making that step to the, the the next level and getting getting recognized at these at these games in the interpros
1: yes and that's why we don't tend to emphasize too often like results are results we'd like to win all the games of course but You've just hit the nail on the head there. For young girls at sixteen and eighteen, if you want to progress and ma- make the move on and get seen, this really is the shop window.
8: Yeah,
6: absolutely. It, it, you know, the next stage is obviously making that Irish final panel for for I suppose tournaments next next summer. So they they've a, a long road ahead. Uh, I suppose over the next couple of couple of months to 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 make that final panel for for the international tournaments. But um, it'd be great to see a couple of Munster girls putting on the green jersey.
1: It certainly would, and uh, we'll certainly be pushing that uh, through the medium here on Corkshire FM's Big Red Bench and the Munster Women's Hockey segment. You can be sure of that. So, commiserations to 16s and 18s on the result, but well done to the uh, girls that have been uh, selected for future trials. And uh, the interprovincials in uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about those as well. Now, we move to the results from a very, very busy weekend of both Munster Women's Hockey Division 1 and EY1, Graham, where we had lots of games and lots of interesting scorelines.
6: Yeah, so in in EY one, Cattkins, you've been the the, the sole monster team there. Unfortunately, uh, went away to Railway Union and 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 uh, came away with with nothing. Unfortunately, lost three two. Um, again, they they've been very close. Um, I suppose to the to teams they've lost to this year. Um, there's there's going to be very little in it come the end of the season. Again, I think there's there's four or five clubs there that that will be taking points off each other all year. So by no means are they are they out of things at this point. So early days still in EY one. Um, in the Munster Senior League last Thursday, um, Harlequins beat um, Ashton 4 uh, 0, Beth and O'Farrell on the score sheet again with a hat trick there, uh, Michelle Barry with the other one. Um, at the weekend, then, CFI beat Blackrock 3 uh, 2. Crescent and Bandon played out a bit of a thriller 3 uh, all. Uh, for Crescent's first points in in Munster Division 1. And Waterford, um, unfortunately, lost to to UCC 5-0 on on home turf. But, But played well against UCC. I caught some of that match myself.
1: And the one thing I get from that, yet again, Graham, and it happened last year. It's a lot of there was a lot of goals, but also the results are tight. There's nobody apart from the top two, Cork Harlequins, that you would expect in UCC or on maximum points over the opening two rounds. They probably have the strongest squads in that particular league this year. Maybe not now, but they seem to have. But for the rest, for Ashton Waterford, Bannon, Crescent, Blackrock, and Church Fern, there's really very little between them as the scoreline, the early scorelines in the first two rounds suggest.
6: Yeah, certainly, and and I suppose yes, UCC and Harlequins that that will be, I I think a battle all the way to the end of the season. Um, but definitely, you know that they won't have it easy against the likes of Ashton, Bandon, and Church of Ireland in particular, and it seems that. Crescent Water from Black Rock as well have, have really strengthened as well over the summer. So there'll be there'll be teams taking points off each other all, all season. So there won't be there won't be any real surprises this year, I, I think. But um, yeah. it will be uh it will be uh, it will be a very close league again.
1: Yes and the danger is for those favourites and those up near the top that on any given day it sounds like anybody could if, if you're not at it you can get caught out so that's the big thing as last year showed us a fascinating monster Women's Division 1 Hockey League So, and uh, Catholic Institute of course we said flying the monster flag in the very very competitive EY1 as well this year before we look at the fixtures for next week uh, of course we have to turn our attention to the scorers charts because this is the thing I get asked the most about when people talk to me about this particular segment of the podcast and already uh, in the top table is more than top 10, but we're going to look at the top 10 anyway in this particular uh, Monster Women's Hockey scoring chart. beth Ann O'Farrell, what a shock for Harlequins up there already with 5 goals. Olivia Rycroft from Bandon with 4 Faye Graham from Crescent with 3 Nikki Barry from UCC with 3 Michelle Barry Harlequins, Emily O'Leary from Ashton, Abby O'Mahony from UCC all on 3 goals. Ivano Byrne from Harlequins on 2, as is Mi- Michaela Sanderson from UCC and Isabel Martin from Church of Ireland and Zara Lowry from UCC. Um, familiar names Graham, and I know every time we interview them and we talked to them they're all really professional about what they do but they also tongue-in-cheek say that they don't really look at the goal scorers charts it's a complete lie <laughs> they all look at the goal scorers yeah. charts because they want to fill at the top and uh, no surprise to see that name Bethan Farrell up there already
6: no absolutely not um, it, you know it, it's definitely um, definitely something that's spoken about at the side of <laughs> hockey pitch um, all the time so um, as much as people uh, uh, don't want to admit it, they definitely, they're definitely they definitely half an eye on, on this chart at all times.
1: Oh, more than half an eye, but definitely for uh, very good and very magnanimous of you to say that. You are listening to Corkshire FM's Big Red Bench on our weekly segment to do with Munster Women's Hockey. We're here with the Munster Women's Hockey PRO and Munster Women's Hockey expert, Graeme Catchpole. Let's look ahead to the fixtures for the coming weekend. What are the big standout games that people can look forward to over the next couple of days, Graeme?
6: Yeah. So, so, so we have two games this weekend. Actually, one is on Thursday night. So Blackrock hosts Harlequins on Thursday night at, 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 um, 8.30. Um, that, that should be one I suppose Harlequins would be expecting to, to, to win. Um, and then at the weekend, um, newcomers, Crescent, uh, travel to, to UCC. Of course, Crescent getting their first point of the season against Bandon last week, um, will be a stern test for, for UCC, I think this weekend at, at 12 o'clock in the, in the Mardike Arena.
1: Yes, two big, big games to look forward to, as we said. And of course, uh, for all the details, if you want additional details of what we speak about here on uh, the Big Red Bench Monster Women's Hockey segment, go to monsterhockey.ie for all the latest information tables and competition standings. We end this week's segment, Graham, with some really great news and some positive news. A sponsor uh, for a brand new and very, very important Under-18 Munster Women's Hockey League.
6: Yeah, so so I suppose this Monster and Rating League was started um, two two seasons ago in Monster Two mainly with the aim i suppose of keeping keeping girls playing uh beyond the the under 16 um age group and and because i suppose at that point generally uh girls will go into into adult hockey um now not everybody is ready, ready for adult hockey at that stage um so the under18 league was introduced two seasons ago um it's proved to be a, a big success and um we have been fortunate enough for a, a sponsor to come on board this year for the league so Keen's jewelers have, have, have very kindly come on board uh to, to Sponsor the league and and sponsor the teams involved in the league. Um, there's a total of 15 teams involved across two divisions with with cup competition as well. Um, so it's great to see the you know the, the 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 league's growing and I suppose great to see the the interest at that level and and we're hoping I suppose that this will keep uh, keep girls playing the sport that bit longer um, in in through college and and hopefully you know into their adult lives as well. So um, great to see um, the sponsorship from Keynes and we're, we're delighted to have it.
1: Yes, and very, very big thanks to Keynes for doing that. Uh, Can I just say to Graham, uh, like in previous years, perhaps when you finished under 16 and there wasn't an under 18. league or maybe a team there you were kind of thrust into the senior adult thing for some people they, it takes a lot longer the physicality the speed of it I know some clubs uh, certainly down in West Cork would have a second team maybe in division six yes. or further down this is a really good idea because you're playing girls of a similar age of a similar physique um, yeah. and of a similar skill levels and the fact that you've got those numbers of teams growing this looks like it's only going to grow
6: yeah absolutely I mean I mean this is a as I said like it's its third year now in in, in operation and uh, fifteen teams already and yeah we're looking to look at to grow it. Um, certainly have a, you know I think it's three or four leagues at the the under sixteen level coming through as well. So it's all about retaining those girls coming through and, you know once they once they're ready then after under eighteen level they, they they might go play for college or they might they might you know you know go up to the adult team. But it's just to kind of give those girls that opportunity I suppose you know to stick with the game, stick with their friends and and, and keep playing the sport as long as possible.
1: Excellent stuff. Well done to Kings Jewelers, and we will keep a very, very close eye on that under eighteen league as the season progresses and give you as much information as we possibly can in our weekly segment, which is growing by the week, Graham. With all these different leagues, uh, but it's fantastic to see it. Fantastic to have Munster Women's Hockey back up and running. Lots of headlines, and as the weeks and months go on, as well here on Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench, we will extend our coverage with interviews with specific players from clubs as well uh, at, at various junctures. But for now, following another busy week, and looking ahead to another segment next week, uh, on behalf of everyone here on the Big Red Bench, thanks. For very much, Monster Women's Hockey Piero Graham Catchball, and we will talk to you again next week.
0: Thanks a million, The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm.
1: Corks Red FM's resident Formula 1 expert, Sarah Mackenzie foley joins me on this week's Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast to provide analysis, comment and her expert review of an action-packed Qatar Grand Prix. Sarah also looks back at this past week's Formula 1 headlines, including Max Verstappen finally being crowned champion, issues at Mercedes and Oscar Piastri's rise and much, much more. Now, hot on the heels of the Qatar Grand Prix, we're delighted to welcome back here to Corks Red FM's Big Red Bench, our resident Formula Formula One expert, and that is Sarah Mackenzie Foley to take us through all the big headlines coming from the latest GP. Sarah, how are you?
3: Good. Thanks. I feel a bit I feel a bit relieved. We don't have to pretend now that there's <laughs> any other outcome to the season and we can just get on with Best of the rest, you know, It
1: was kind of nice. <laughs> it is kind of nice because you were alluding to, of course, Max Verstappen making a three out of three of World Driver Championships for Red Bull. Um, we've admired him, even though he, he's hard to love sometimes, Max, by his own admission mm-hmm. as well. But, you know, this is the side of a Formula One driver that you have to have in your characteristics. You, know, you can't be Mr. Nice Guy all the time. It's a third world championship, but is this the easiest one he's had to, he's claimed, Sarah, of the three? And why?
3: 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, essentially, he's faced almost zero competition. You know, like Carlos Sainz, as we said before, is the only person that's won a Grand Prix this year, bar max so so far. And he was just completely dominant. You know, saw off anybody that somehow managed to get even remotely close to him. And I think, you know, he's even said already it's his best. It's also the only one so far because who knows, these days with Formula One, it's the only one so far that doesn't have any major drama attached to it, which I think for him is probably quite a relief after the previous two.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very good point, actually. I do, I agree with you there, but I I, I think as well, the smoothness of his drive this year, he was a one with the car. His the performance differential between him and his teammate Checo Mm. showed him up even more so but his control of situations and his he lost the Rag a couple of times as you would expect from him but he has developed into a Formula One World Champion he's driving like a Formula One World Champion very little to stop him between here and the end of the season winning out it's really up to him now what he wants to do in terms of points totals and all that Um, but the fact that the Red Bull is so powerful so far ahead of the of, of the pack you still need to get it home and this mm-hmm. weekend of all weekends in Qatar where we had a lot of different headlines and, and negative headlines coming from the actual Grand Prix his I think has been overshadowed which I feel sorry for him a little bit um, because winning three in a row is a fantastic achievement but the fact that he did it in such a controlled manner this weekend Sarah did that impress you? I
12: think
3: yes but I think also I, I agree with the overshadow situation I think As you said, there was a lot going on this weekend. And the concern, as we said, for the last couple of weeks was winning it on a Saturday. It's just a bit strange. And I think also, you know, he won it, but he didn't win the sprint race. So it's, you know, there was still, there was the other headline of Piastri winning Mm. that and it's his maiden win, let's say, in Formula One. So yeah, I think overshadowed. But in a way, as I mentioned earlier, I think that would have suited Max absolutely Mm. fine. You know, I think he's had enough of the... The headlines and whatnot he has zero time for it so I think he'll be quietly happy to have celebrated it in a less dramatic fashion than previous
1: years. Yeah I think that's fair and I think also the fact there was just such an air of inevitability about him becoming champion it mm-hmm. was a question of when not if everybody had accepted that uh, but it was good I think I agree with you not winning it on the sprint was good because it just kept the, the, the Formula One traditions like myself and yourself would want to see a Formula One race and championship won on the track in the race itself and I suppose there was a, a certain element of Relief that he, he finished the race as number one, he was top of the podium and it was a good optic for Formula One. You mentioned Oscar Piastri, the McLaren driver, not alone winning the sprint, but coming in second. Um, mm. This now, as, as we have spoken about in recent weeks, he now is a legitimate threat to Lando Norris. Lando Norris, as you outlined here for us on Cork Shred FM and, and, and rightly so, was the number one, is the number one driver in McLaren. But this late season surge and there's still quite a few races to go, this guy is the form driver of Formula One.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really impressive what he's done, especially when you think of, you know, he's doing it on the back of an outrageous amount of expectation because of everything that happened last year with the Alpine versus McLaren, you know, who had signed him situation. And I actually have a video on my channel coming out on this this week because I think Lando Norris, his self-talk was concerning. I think this weekend, if you were to analyze it, he didn't sound confident. He sounded more concerned with the fact that his younger teammate had, you know, outperformed him than the fact that he had had a solid weekend. And I think we could potentially be looking at another Daniel Ricciardo, Mm. Max Verstappen situation here. I just can see I think there's a future that Lando saw in his head with that team. And I think unfortunately for him, if the trend continues the way it's going, Oscar may steal that dream and it would essentially be Daniel Ricciardo all over again.
1: Yes, that is a worrying concern. I, the fact that Lando, you know, finished the way he did and where he finished in the final, you know, the final standings was probably important too on the weekend that was in it because Piastri did so well. I suppose that's a shot across the bows as well. Okay, you're going well Oscar at the moment, but I'm still here. But mm. would this not bring the best out of Lando? Is this not now a uh, time to okay, you know, like the Game of Thrones quote, kill the boy, mm-hmm. Jon Snow, and start, you know, start you're not young Lando Norris anymore. You're an established Formula One driver now. You should be leading this race. You should be leading this team, and it's time for you to exert a bit of confidence rather than keep worrying about this guy who's having a purple patch but we don't know how long this will last we've seen it before with drivers in Formula 1 Sarah you know, I, I admit Oscar Piastri clearly has the talent the temperament and he has mm. the machinery to do very well but that's no guarantee and plenty of drivers Riccardo is a, a very very good p- case in point point. everybody thought was going to you know move up into the top echelons of Formula 1 and start winning races but it didn't work out that way mm. this is this is a maturation for Lando Norris now he has a fantastic car he has the team behind him and he has a very good teammate Let's see what you can do now.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think it should be. You know, I think that's the way you would like to see it play out. I just don't know. I'm not necessarily questioning Lando Norris's mental toughness. I just think that, as I said, these drivers at the end of the day are very emotional people, the majority of them, and they you know, if he has this this vision in his head, you know, he even asked over the radio yesterday when they'd made their final pit stop, he was quicker and he asked if he could overtake Piastri and he was told no. And he sounded sort of timid on the radio. And as I say, his body language all weekend was, I just think, concerning for anyone that who, anyone who, as you kind of suggested there, was hoping that he would let it spur him on. I think at the moment, at least, he's not in that frame of mind from what I've seen. And I hope, I do hope that changes. But for the moment, yeah, he just seems a bit underwhelmed with what's been going on.
1: You are listening to Cork Street FM's Big Red Bench. We are here on the Women in Sport podcast with our resident Cork Street FM Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley, talking all things Qatar Grand Prix. We've talked about Max Verstappen becoming world champion. We've talked about the form driver of Formula One at the moment, Oscar Piastri, but we cannot leave Qatar go by without talking about the big talking point, he said, and that is the Mercedes Turn 1 nightmare in which Sir Lewis Hamilton, because he's a sir, he probably had to admitted that this was his mistake. But take us through it, Sarah, what you saw and what you thought initially and what's the potential aftermath of George Russell and uh, coming to coming to blows uh, mm. technically with his teammates or Lewis Hamilton on the first corner because it was disastrous.
3: Yep, I immediately saw and tweeted <laughs> as such that uh, it was Lewis's fault entirely. That incident, it was a very ambitious lunge and it was a very... He just, there was more space on the outside of the corner that he could have allowed Georgia cars with, um, and a, and a, a small buffer. I think it happened too quickly for, you know, sense, common sense to come in. And as you said, you know, Lewis admitted that afterwards, he said, I'll take responsibility for that. And that he, he all but said it was a move out of desperation essentially. And I think, the bigger issue and what Mercedes really need to act on internally is what you see when you zoom out, which is that there had actually been a pre-race agreement with both drivers because they were on different tire strategies. Knowing that George was going to be slower starting on the mediums than Lewis was on the softs. They had agreed ahead of the race. If Lewis is ahead in turn one, let's go with that scenario. And I don't know I would love to understand from George Russell what in the heat of the moment made him change his mind because at the end of the day, the team suffered. I actually think they could have been way up there with Hmm. the McLarens and it's just, it's really disappointing. You know, when you look at Ferrari closing in on them for second place in the constructors and Ferrari didn't even have two cars running this weekend. So it's, uh, it's not pretty, not pretty at all.
1: The relationship is not broken. That's not us, Sarah. This is the two Mercedes drivers. Mm. The relationship is not broken, he said. I don't have any problems with George. We have a great relationship and we will always talk about things. This is just unfortunate and I'm sure he was frustrated in the moment, as I was, uh, but we will talk about it offline and move forwards. Mercedes later posted a video of the pair embracing in the team's hospitality unit. That was uh, Sir Lewis Hamilton's quotes immediately after the race. These two are contracted to 2025, Sarah, so whether they like each other mm. or not is irrelevant. They're stuck with each other and yeah. I think it's a case now where Mercedes making the most of that situation but you know where the Netflix cameras are going to be you know where all the additional cameras and interviews and uh, reporters are going to be now from here until the end of the season much like Lando Norris fighting an up and coming piastri the relationship between George Russell and Sir Lewis Hamilton and let's, let's just not, not not forget Russell recovered really really well from that mm-hmm. first car and a great race from him in that, in that regard but this is going to be fascinating, not just between the end of the season, but over the next couple of years, because I don't think this is the end of it. I think there is a bit of friction there between the two of them. They just don't want to be seen to be saying it.
3: Absolutely. And Mercedes have been a bit weird with to Lewis Hamilton lately, you know, not showing up to podiums, posting, you know, graphics of when George does well and when Lewis does badly. There is a strain, there's something strained in some part of the relationship. And I think this weekend really brought it to the fore and I think to be fair to Lewis really the only way he could come out of it with any sort of grace was and to be fair the incident itself was his fault the only way he come out of it with any kind of grace was to just hold his hands up but I think that video of them hugging and him saying it wasn't your fault great job just felt a bit it gave me the ick a small bit
1: I couldn't say that. You can say that, uh, giving you the ache because you're young <laughs> enough to say that. So I agree with you wholeheartedly on that particular thing. Before we leave the guitar Grand Prix, one extra thing I wanted to talk about. Very briefly, why was there such an issue with tyres and why did it only become come to light on the Friday night for those who weren't aware there was a restriction of 18 laps on the sets and they had to agree um, the specific types for a race. is very unusual for a Formula 1 race and quite frankly, it makes it look amateurish. But why, Sarah McKenzie? Well,
3: yeah, it was a bit embarrassing. I think, so Pirelli had very little data to go on. We spoke about this last week where there's only been one Grand Prix in, in Doha and it was two years ago. It was way worse than what they thought and they realized that, as you said, on Friday evening running the data and had to give the drivers an extra 10 minutes on Saturday to to run around. They moved curbs in by 80 centimeters, which is very significant and on a track that already struggled with track limits. So I think, to be completely honest, there was two huge, you know, misjudgments, let's call them. And that was the tires and the extreme heat conditions. I've never seen drivers suffer in the way that they did yesterday. Um, You know, it was it was shocking, really. Logan Sargent had to retire and be treated for extreme dehydration. Esteban That's Alcon insane. In his,
1: the, sorry, you no, He up
3: open his helmet on yeah. lap 15 and just didn't say anything to anyone. <laughs> like, I've never, ever seen the likes of it. Lance Stroll, he said he spent the last 20 laps or so passing out in high speed corners. That's unsafe. And these mm. guys are at the pinnacle of motorsport athleticism, athleticism possibly with. The exception of the people that compete in Le Mans in 24, um, it's it was really shocking.
1: It was. I think it's something we'll come back to. We're probably going to do a big review at the end of the season here when we go through the, the highs and lows of the Formula One season. That certainly was a low, and it's something we want to come back to again because look, this is a, this is an organisation that had held a race less than a couple of miles from missile attacks mm. so I'm afraid you know intense heat and people passing out and crashing isn't really on the radar they have a this, this is the this harsh harsh reality of the business of the business if you want to call it that when it comes to Formula 1 but there's no excuse whatsoever putting people's lives at risk which is essentially what they were doing in that intense heat mm. but the other side of it as you've explained there as well with the tyres was, was comical um, I don't mm. think we've heard the last of that that was the Qatar Grand Prix the first top five Max Verstappen in the Red Bull coming home with all 26 points and winning his third world championship Oscar Piastri from a Claren coming in a fantastic second Lando Norris his teammate in third George Russell recovering from that first uh, corner crash with his teammate to finish fourth in the Mercedes and Charles Leclerc with the one Ferrari in the race coming in in fifth which was a, a positive thing for them the overall standings in the drivers championship in the drivers championship it doesn't really matter anymore because Max has won it he's got 433 mm-hmm. Checo Perez is in second 224 Lewis Hamilton 194 but Fernando Alonso and Carlos Sainz Jr. 183 and 153 may well catch Hamilton between here in the end of the season we don't know Constructors is still up for grabs even though it really isn't Red Bull on 657 Mercedes on 326 just behind No Ferrari on 298 Aston Martin 230 and McLaren languishing behind on 219 the Qatar Grand Prix is in the history books and next up for us is Sunday the 22nd of October at the Circuit of the Americas to give it away the United States Grand Prix is coming up we will preview that obviously on next week's show but in the interim where can we find your online uh, Formula 1 content Sarah Mackenzie Foley
3: yeah absolutely so as I mentioned earlier I've got a new video coming out this week on that Lando Norris Daniel Ricciardo situation so you can find me on YouTube at Sarah Mackenzie F1
1: excellent stuff great to talk to you as always Sarah and we will talk to you again here on Corks Fans Big Revenge once again next week thanks Sarah
0: Big Red Fetch. Yeah. Saturday and Sunday from 6 pm.
1: Resident Corksford FM Munster rugby expert Wendy Keenan, join me on this week's Women in Sport podcast to review the latest women's AIL season results involving Munster clubs UL Bohemians and Balancolic. There's also news of the Munster Women's Open Cup and a preview of the new Munster Youths Girls Leagues starting this weekend. Now, here on Corkstred FM's Big Red Bench, we're delighted to be joined by a rugby expert uh, for our weekly Munster Women's Rugby segment, and that is Wendy Keenan. Wendy, how are you?
12: I'm great, Ger. Thanks million. How are you?
1: Flying it. Uh, only just about as busy as yourself, I'd say, at this time of the year. Um, we are hitting the, both the Women's AIL, the Women's Open Cup, and also the start of the Munster Women's Rugby Youth Leagues, uh, which we're all going to talk about uh, over the next while. But we begin, as we always do, at the top of the tree, and the Women's AIL results from this past weekend.
12: Yeah, two great wins for our Munster teams this weekend, for UL Bowles and Ballincolig, and both away from home. So that's been fabulous. Um so they're now lying in second and third in the league, which I, I'm delighted to report. We were first and second, but we, we've moved a little bit. So first of all, UL Bowes were away to Sidonians and they defeated them 38-3, a, a phenomenal score there. And I'm delighted to say that Balloncolic had a successful trip up north, winning 24-14. So they'll be delighted. Two wins out of three at the start of the season. So that sets them up nicely for next weekend. So next weekend, UL Bowes hosts Cook. Look, Cook lie bottom of the league league at the moment they're struggling that's no doubt so I'm sure that'll be you know a, a definite win for you Bows, um, if I'm allowed to say that a definite win um, Balling Colleague hosts Wicklow they were defeated by Black Rock at the weekend and they actually lie in the seventh position after losing all of their three matches. Uh but you're probably surprised by that. You know, we would have mentioned Wicklow in the past, but let's remember all our internationals are over in Dubai for the WX 7s tournament. And I'm just going to mention the Irish team and their fixtures, because they face Kazakhstan on Friday, and that game will be live streamed at four thirty. And the following week they'll play Colombia, and the week after that they'll play Spain on the twenty eighth. So maybe next week we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the Irish team. But just in case anybody wants to see them tomorrow Uh, you can see it, it's been live streamed just go on to Irish Rugby and they link you up
1: Excellent stuff, yes we will talk about that because this is a new departure and a significant one uh, from women's international rugby and the tier that Ireland are currently in, I would imagine Wendy considering the opposition that they'll be playing they'll be expected to come out of that tier and move up as quickly as possible
12: yeah, absolutely. We need to move up. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, if, if you are to look at skill development, you need to play against the better teams. Um, you know, we all saw Portugal win their match, uh, you know what I mean, in the World Cup and how everybody shouted for them. Mm. But look, we, you know, they're tier two in the World Cup. So we need to get back in there. We need to get competing with those top teams. Um, and that happens by playing better opposition.
1: It certainly does. Uh, we all, and you also mentioned there as well, congrats to um, UL Bose, who are enjoying a really good start to the women's AL season and Balancholic as well, gaining a bit of traction as well with each passing week. We look forward to hearing how they get on again next week as part of our Munster Women's Rugby Roundup. We now turn our attention to the women's Open Cup results from the past weekend, Wendy.
12: Yeah, so Dolphin hosted Skibbereen. Nine tries scored in that match, there. I mean, what a, if you were watching it, what a great match um, to be watched. Skibbereen came out on top with a scoreline of 29-26, but apparently a clinger right at the end uh, went to the final whistle there. Um, so Skibbereen move on. Shannon hosted Thurless in, in Kuna and they clocked up a big score, 53 um, nil. Thurless seemed to be struggling at the start of the season. Nine tries scored. But um, I want to mention, a real bounce back from Shannon, lots of debuts, nine ladies getting their first senior debut um, for them and I'm going to give a special mention to Rachel Hayes, Rachel Tucker as we would, know, would have known her back when I was playing and she has returned after many years uh, off uh, back playing so great to see her in a Shannon jersey and back out there so lots of friendlies too play at the weekend but look, we look forward to next weekend because um, lots more fixtures but um, yes, well done to the two teams involved
1: yeah, good to see Skib as well as you said bouncing back uh, from a difficult uh, All-Ireland oh, their first game of the season in which they, they played very, very well in the second half previously and now Shannon as well as you just mentioned their famous name and some famous names coming back to put on that famous coloured jersey as well brilliant stuff and uh, the Women's Open Cup doing those Munster clubs no harm at all we now turn our attention to the Munster Women's Rugby Youths Leagues which start next weekend I can't believe it's come around this fast now a, there is an absolute plethora of age grades and clubs and teams as everyone knows and we're going to do our best to cover as much as we possibly can of it week in week out, but we can't get to everybody because it would just take too long. But we're going to start this week. It's, it's, it's a really exciting time of the year for clubs. And a lot of, I know from Instagram and following a lot of the clubs in Rome Munster, there's been a huge amount of training sessions, a lot of excitement in the build-up to this. And it all kicks off once again this weekend, Wendy.
12: I know. I mean, teams are ready now. They're ready to start. We did push the back the league start date last year, and that was very successful for us. Look, we're just accommodating up the sports, if I'm being honest, and, and not putting girls in difficult positions and having to choose which matches they play. So with that in mind, we start in October and, yeah, huge turnout. So we have, you know, four conferences at under 14, four conferences at under 16, two conferences at under 18 and Development League in each of those. And as you said, we've got lots of clubs representatives. So I think the best way to do it, let's do one age grade per week for the next three weeks and let's cover those those clubs that are entering. We'll start, I think, with the under-14s. We saw, I saw how dynamic and how fantastic they were last year. So they kick off their league. Um, so we have four conferences, as I mentioned. Conference one is Ennis, Ballina, Richmond and Garion. Conference two is Ballincolic, Cove, uh, Dolphin, are amalgamated with all Christians for that one and then John Garvin being the last one. In conference three, we've Castle Island and Tralee together, Dunmanway Bantry together, Skibbereen and Flannockilty. Conference four is Bruff, Feather, Thurless, Galbally and Old Crescent all in there together. So they all play each other home and away before we move on to the next, uh, I suppose, knockout uh, competitions there. But I also want to mention we have eight under under 14 development teams, and their teams in the development league, we call them emerging teams, if I'm being honest. Do I you mean they're not quite there yet to get into the full league? So they are Tanturk, Kinsale have amalgamated with Bandon, Killarney, Waterpark, Shannon, Mallow have amalgamated with Mitchellstown. Middleton amalgamated with the All and the Stone. So that's a great competition in itself. All those teams um, now have been represented, all those clubs have been represented at under 14. So I think we've covered every corner of the province there, have we?
1: <laughs> uh, and more. Carry all the
12: way across to Waterford.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> and from oh,
12: off, up north to south.
1: Yeah I love when you start mentioning the the club names that you would associate with rugby but it's the ones you wouldn't normally associate either that are emerging and it's a great idea to have a development league. I suppose from a parent's point of view Wendy there's no point in in starting off in rugby and taking on established clubs that have been there at 10, 12 and have that have all that uh, knowledge and know what they're doing. A development league gives Girls a chance to settle into it a chance to enjoy it and then if they're really serious about it then they can move on and they're able for it and I think even the, the, the conference is going to produce some fantastic games local derbies definitely always bring the best out especially in kids but that development league is a brilliant idea
12: Yeah I mean we did it last year so it's nothing new but it just gives those emerging teams I suppose a little cushion if that's the word I'd use mm. in terms of you know making the step into a 15 a side game but if we um, if we look at all of those and we look at the clubs, maybe that's something we look at. Now we need clubs going from minis, 14s, 16s, 18s and then into the adult game. And I'll just pick out one. I'm going to pick out Brough. We mentioned them last week. Mm. So they've always been strong at underage, 14s, 16s and 18s. And now here we see them, 26, 28 women training um, for the adult team. I know they played a, a friendly game, if you can call it, a friendly <laughs> against Ennis at the weekend. Um, and again, fielding big numbers. So that's what we want to see. We want to see the pathway all the way through 8's, 10's, 12's all the way up to the adult game and the more clubs we have doing those pathways the better it is for us for the development of the game the better it is for Munster Rugby in terms of we'll have stronger panels competing and hopefully more leads into a, a green jersey
1: Couldn't have put it better myself we, we use that word pathway so often in our conversations but it works it's going to be the bedrock on which Munster Women's Rugby builds its future and Irish Women's Rugby as well because we're going to have a hell of a lot more Munster players in those Irish teams as years to come isn't that what we really want Wendy?
12: Oh, absolutely. That's you know. I mean, all the girls want to wear a red jersey, right? Mm-hmm. Once they get to that red jersey, the next step is the green jersey, and we need more players in in those green jerseys from our Munster clubs.
1: We certainly do and it's a massive weekend obviously with Ireland and the Kiwi and the All Blacks going head to head in the Women's Rugby World Cup over in France but let's not forget as well as we finish up this week wish Irish the Irish women's rugby team all the best over in Dubai against Kazakhstan on October 13 in the Women's XV3 the new competition there they'll also be taking as you said uh, earlier on the, the um, taking on uh, the likes of Colombia there's Kenya there's Spain there's Fiji in this particular grade at the moment three or four big games coming up for the Women's Irish international team let's keep an eye on that as well we'll keep talking about them as well I know all the headlines are going to the men and rightly so at the minute because it's very exciting but the men doing well I think Wendy rubs off in the international scene for the women as well it will draw more eyeballs it will bring more attention and let's hope they get off to a good start this weekend
12: Yeah, I mean, there's so many people watching rugby now, Um, you know, and I was talking to you know a couple of people over the weekend that said they can't get over that their daughters have become addicted to the rugby at the weekends. You know, the girls that don't play rugby and asking me, is there rugby in their local club? And of course there is. I mean, look, we've just called them all out. Mm. So that leads to increased participation, um, which is only a positive for us.
1: It certainly isn't the best place to keep track of just about everything that's going on in Munster Women's Rugby, just about everything, because we can't cover every bit of it, is here on Corkshire FM's Big Red Bench every week with our resident rugby expert, Wendy Keenan. Once again, thanks for all the information and we look forward to talking to you again next week.
12: Thanks a million,
1: Jerry. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can also listen online at Redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm Sullivan, and guests between six and seven pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels, as well as visiting our official website RedFM.ie.
0: The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from six pm, Corks Red FM.